You can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we talked for a few minutes last week uh, that as we're starting a new year, it's common for organizations and individuals to kind of take an inventory of where they are and to give some thought about future. We didn't necessarily make any kind of New Year's resolutions, but that's a good time of year to do it. And we looked last week at what a church should be doing. Um, so last week's sermon focused mostly on the concept of worship. That's something every local church should be doing. We saw that, uh, you know, a lot of people, if you ask them, why do you go to worship? Well, my parents or my grandparents took me. Or uh, we might think, well, the early church did it. And you'll remember that they did do it. And it said that they met on a, cert on a fixed day before dawn to sing hymns to Christ as to a God, and then they shared food. So uh, that was the example of the early church. We might think of uh, the psalmist David when he wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, his example. But the ultimate reason that we worship is not because it was your parents' or your grandparents' idea or the early church's idea or David's idea. The reason that we worship is because it was God's idea. As a matter of fact, he made us to be in communion, to be in right relationship with him. And so that is something every local church should be doing. When we start thinking about what we should be doing, a lot of times we start, we kind of have this blank slate thinking, I can just do what I want because I don't have anything over me and I'm just my own person. But the church cannot do that. Why? Because we have a sovereign, loving Lord who has told us, I would... Well, I want you to worship me. You remember, that's the reason that they were let out in the Exodus. God sent Moses to Pharaoh and said, uh, Moses said, let my people go that they may serve me, that they may hold a feast to me in the desert, that they may worship me. So you have been made for worship. And so when you do that, you're fulfilling your original design. As a matter of fact, our book of order uh, says this about worship. It is the privilege and primary responsibility of the local church to worship God regularly. Out of the experience of worship, the church renews her faith and clarifies her understanding of obedient service to God. Privilege and primary responsibility of the local church. As a matter of fact, it, it makes the case that from our worship should flow a renewing of our faith and a, and a further clarity in our understanding of what it means to be a servant to God. So you, the book of order makes the case that an outflow of our worship is our obedient service to God and His world. So, to gather together with other Christians, to sing praises to and about our Lord, to consider what He's done for us, particularly in Christ, and to offer ourselves to Him as living sacrifices is for sure something the church should be doing. Again, it's not just something that we came up with and thought, we could do a lot of things with an hour, let's do this. No. The Lord has commanded it, and it is the best thing for us. The Lord's people, that the Lord's people would worship Him is something that He has told us to do. It's His idea. And today we'll see, we'll look at a second thing that a church should be doing in addition to worship. And we might say that this even flows from our worship. Now, when you consider what the Lord has done for you in Christ on the cross. I can't think of any reason we wouldn't want more and more people to know about what he's done. 
That's my prayer. That, that's one of the reasons that I preach the way I have preached, trying to extol Jesus for you week after week. So that it would sink down so deep into you that you can't help but want others to know him. Why wouldn't we want more and more people to know what he's done for his people? And so these are God's words in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is indeed the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you all the day long. Let's pray. Uh, Father, salvation is found in you alone, only through Jesus. We wait for you today. Teach us. Lead us in your truth and teach us. We wait for you to come by your spirit and through your word to show us who we are and show us who you are. Show us our need to be reconciled. Show us your solution to our problem in Christ. Uh, Father, if you would be so kind as to do that today, we would receive the benefits. Our neighbors and our, even our enemies would receive the benefits, but the Lord Jesus gets the glory. We thank you for him, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. What we see in our passage today is that Paul has been given a mission by God. What was Paul's mission? Well, we see it in a couple of ways. Look at the seven, second half of verse 18. That God had given Paul and the apostolic folks, and actually you and I, the ministry of reconciliation. Now when you see the word reconciliation, that implies that there's a problem. People who are on good terms don't need to be reconciled to each other, do they? It's only people that are not on good terms who need to be reconciled to each other. So if Paul was given the ministry of reconciliation, that means that people need to be reconciled to God. We don't just come in this world neutral towards God. As a matter of fact, not to put too fine a point on it, uh, Paul says we are an enemy of God. We need to be reconciled. And so God gave him this ministry of reconciliation. How else do we see it in our passage? The second half of verse 19, that Paul was entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So Paul uh, was given the ministry of reconciliation, but he was also given the message of reconciliation. And that means that the mission that the Lord gave to Paul and to actually the church was that we would be an ambassador for Christ. 
God making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal to all mankind. Come and be reconciled. But he does it through Christians. He does it through Paul. He does it through preachers. He does it through people who tell other people about Jesus. God is making his appeal in our world through us. And that's the mission. Now, an ambassador, we know about ambassadors, right? These are people that are particularly our government sends to be an ambassador to a foreign country, and they are officially designated by the, sending, by the sender with a particular message. You know, often when, uh, when they want to make uh, deals and stuff, the first people that talk are the ambassadors, and it goes up the chain. So the ambassador is the one sent with a message. And the Lord insists that his people would be witnesses to the world about him and what he has done. We know this because of the words of Jesus himself in the Great Commission. Here's what he said. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. So he's deputizing the Great Commission fishing company, right? to go and make, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's one of the ways Jesus put it earlier in his ministry when he was calling the disciples. He said, come and I will make you fishers of men, right? Another way he put it is in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when he's getting ready to ascend to his Father. He says, but you... He will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there would be witnesses in that little hometown of Jerusalem, but they were also to leave Jerusalem to go out into all of Judea and Samaria. Now what's, what's amazing about that is Samaria is where all the, they thought the yucky people lived, right? Jesus sends them there. You're an ambassador for me. Go hang around all those people that I absolutely love that you can't stand. And tell them about me. What a crazy way to start a, com a company, huh? God's got a message to get out and he makes his appeal through you and I. And this mission is no less the mission. The mission that Paul had to be an ambassador is no less the mission of any local congregation. Our EPC Book of Order recognizes this, and this needs to go down in the annals of history. This is the second time in one day that the Book of Order has been cited. We're not super souped up on the Book of Order, but this is one of the things that guides us. So here's, here's, here's how the Book of Order describes a second thing a church should do. It's the primary mission of the local church to evangelize, making disciples by extending the gospel both at home and abroad, leading others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, providing for the nurture of that faith that all might do what? That all might worship. You see this interesting interplay between worship and mission? At least as the Book of Order hints at it, you come to worship, you get to know God, you get to know what He's done for you, that it spurs your obedience to serve your neighbor, particularly by telling him about Jesus, who will then come to the Lord and worship, and the cycle goes on. That uh, John Piper, Dr. John Piper, uh, said that missions exist where worship doesn't. Missions exist so that people would come to know God and worship Him. Okay, they're, they're not entirely disconnected. 
As a matter of fact, they seem to kind of, in theory, fuel each other. Nurture the faith that all might worship the true God and grow in grace and in sanctification. And so the church, like Paul, as, who was a part of the church, is to be an ambassador. But again, this wasn't Paul's idea or the church's idea. Back in our passage, uh, the fact that Paul was given the ministry of reconciliation with a message of reconciliation, it wasn't his idea. Whose idea was it? It was the Lord's idea. All this is from God. What's from God, Paul? Well, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What's from God, Paul? God entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. What else, Paul? We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Why? Because this is God's idea. This is how he wants things to be done. This was his idea, not ours. Just like worship wasn't the church's idea, but the Lord's idea, so too that the church would witness about the Lord in his world was his idea. And so we finally land on two things. That's four. Two things that a church should do. We should worship and we should witness. We should worship, we should witness. Whatever else we do should drive us towards one, of, one or two or all of those things. The job of the local church, the pri our primary privilege is to worship God. Our primary responsibility is to witness to him in his world. Two things. So we see in our passage that we have a God-given mission to witness. There it is. All this is from God. What? That we have the ministry of reconciliation. That he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. That we are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us. That's our God-given mission. But we also have a God-given message. Do you see it? It's basically the parts that aren't white right now. Look. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That's the message. You can be made right with God. Why? Because of what Christ has done. That's the message. Verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's the message. That's the God-given message. And there's the call at the end. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You have a God-given mission, and you have a God-given message. Amazing stuff. Be reconciled to God. The fact that you can announce that God has already done all that it takes to make you and Him right. That sounds like a good message. All the other messages that go on in our culture are like, go like this. You're the worst person ever and there's nothing you can do about it. Right? This one's amazing. You have been estranged from God by your choices to disobey Him. But you know what? He did something about that for you. Be reconciled to Him. He did all the heavy lifting. Receive that gift of forgiveness. Be reconciled to God. That's the message we have. 
our Onward study, if you've, uh, we got these books for the Onward book study that happens on Wednesdays. And one of the crazy things about the books is you take off the cover and there's a, you take off the cover and there's a poster. And one of them said, the message of the kingdom is not, hey, you kids, get off our lawn. Right? The message of the kingdom is, God has done the work to make your relationship with him good when it wasn't because of you. Now come and be reconciled to him. That's the message. We've got the best message that there is. So we've been commissioned not only to worship God, where we come and learn about what Jesus has done for us and we think about it and chew on it and wrestle with it. And that fuels us to want to tell others about it. We've been given a God-given mission to be ambassadors for him with a God-given message, which is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. If you had been there in Jerusalem on that black... Uh, <laughs> on that, I almost said Black Friday, right? If you had been there in Jerusalem on that Good Friday, you would have probably simply thought that some guy had gotten crossways with the authorities. But you know what was going on on that cross? God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And so we've got the best message. I just think we've probably got a people problem. Either we don't like to tell it, we're scared to tell it, or we're not around anybody who thinks they need to hear it. All right? <clears throat> so I want, to re I want us to read these, these, uh, these three verses together. Let's read these three verses together. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for God, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, reconciled to God. And so the question doesn't, isn't anymore, what is a church going to do? We're going to worship and we're going to witness. But the question we have to answer is how will we witness? That's the question. It's not a matter of whether we've been called as ambassadors or not. The question is how are we going to get this message from God out? Which is God has done something about your predicament with him. Come and be reconciled. And there are a thousand different ways to get the message out. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing this survey is to try to get at some of those things. Now, we do have some ways that we're doing that, right? But we need some more. And we need you all to be comfortable talking about it more so that uh, as you are living your daily lives and doing some of these special things, that we can live as ambassadors for Christ. And we can eventually get around to saying... God doesn't count your trespasses against you because of Christ's work on the cross. Now come and be reconciled. And so again, how will we do this? The Lord has given us something to aid us on our way as ambassadors. He's given us a reminder through the Lord's Supper. And here at this table, I'm going to ask the 
musicians to come forward. Here at this table, we see it laid out, the cost for reconciliation between man and God, where Jesus gave his body and blood. This is a, a visible reminder of what it costs to be reconciled to God and what he has done for you in Christ. And so let's sing together as we prepare ourselves for the meal where we proclaim his death until he comes again. We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give, or oh, the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to sinners who have been redeemed take your place beside the Savior sit down and be set free come to the table Take your place beside the same. 
set free. Come to the table.